Chelsea Bay. And I'm Shay. Together, we are Fulfillment. Fulfillment is a storytelling event featuring local community leaders and entrepreneurs who share their personal journey towards fulfillment through vocation that will challenge you to come alive. The following stories are true, and no one's identity has been protected. Angie Morgan learned how to lead during her time in the Marine Corps. She has since shared her experiences in her books, Leading from the Front, and the New York Times bestselling book, Spark. She's the co-founder of LeadStar and has been designing and delivering leadership programs for the world's best businesses over the last 15 years. Here's Angie's story from the January 2020 event. I was putting my bio together for this event, and whenever you do something like that, you kind of cherry pick the good stuff because you want people to, you know, think of you as a credible expert to talk about success and fulfillment. And so it was a really kind of fun exercise. I'm a girl from Kalkaska, Michigan. I grew up there in the 80s primarily, so a big 80s person. And my worldview at the time growing up was very, very, very small, like the size of a Cheerio small. <laughs> and we didn't have internet. So again, really small world. So when I think about all the things that I've had the privilege to do, it's, it's humbling, right? Um, I served in the Marine Corps. I have an undergrad and graduate degree from the University of Michigan. I've owned a business for the past 15 years that's put me in an opportunity to work at some amazing companies consulting and teaching leadership. I've been inside Facebook and Google and a host of just different diverse organizations. More recently, I've had the opportunity to meet my heroes, Gloria Steinem, Alice Walker. I got to spend the day with her last year when she was here in Traverse City, and it was marvelous. And recently, too, um, when the Pentagon was considering you know, integrating women into combat arms before the vote went to Congress, I was invited to go speak to the highest military leaders just to share my thoughts, my opinions on the integration process. And you can probably guess with Gloria Steinem and Alice Walker, my opinions on the matter. <laughs> and it's been just a really tremendous privilege. But as I reflect upon those successes, I have to think about what got me into those positions. I certainly wasn't born with privilege, Kalkaska, Michigan. You don't think silver spoon in that girl's mouth. I had great parents, wonderful opportunities. I'm a hard worker, but I'm a public school kid, went to a state college. So if you ask me to isolate one factor that opened all those doors and put me in front of those opportunities, it was my ability to take risk, to take risk. Risk is always the thing that's gonna put you in the arena and it's also the thing that's going to take you from dark, dismal places in your life to better, more brighter horizons. So I thought I'd start today by just proving that concept with you, by just talking about the worst day of my life. And it's not too hard to recall, because it happened a year ago. But it's difficult to talk about, because I've never really talked about it publicly before. And I'm a public speaker, so I speak all the time. But it was when, um, about a year ago, I filed for divorce. We've talked a little bit about broken families tonight, and for those of you who've been through a divorce, you know how challenging and heart-wrenching and difficult that experience is. For me, it was ending a relationship of 17 years, and it was awful. And after I dropped off the paperwork 
to my attorney, got in my car, preparing myself to drive home. You know, of course, your head is in your hands and you're crying. I had some pretty powerful thoughts about the things I did have to do that night, though, so I needed to get my act together. I needed to go pick up my young two boys from school. I needed to stop by the store so I could buy a bottle of wine so I could get drunk that night. Those two things. Responsibly drunk, you know, enough to get a buzz, but not enough to get a hangover. I know you know what I'm talking about out there. <laughs> so that was my plan. And I got in the car, got my act together, started driving away, and my phone rang. It was my business partner, 15 years, a woman I served with in the Marine Corps. She's like my ride-or-die chick. She's, you know, one of those sister-like relationships when you don't like her, you don't like her, but when you love her, you love her. Her name is Courtney. She's just always been there for me, and we've known each other for quite some time, and I knew she was calling me to give me wisdom, to give me hope, to give me inspiration in that moment. And she did all that. But then she asked me to pull over because she had some really difficult news that she had to share. I pulled over and we started talking. She's like, you know, the client we've been working with, the client that's supporting the finances for our team, the client that accounts to 90% of our revenue this year, that client recently just went through some financial hardships themselves. They're not gonna pay the invoice, they said, that we just dropped on them. And they're not gonna pay any of the invoices that they promised us this year. So I'm listening to her talk, and the best way I could respond was just kind of share with her what I was hearing. I'm like, are you really telling me on the day of my divorce where my life is falling apart that also I have no money? We have no revenue this year? I'm not gonna get a paycheck? any time in the near future, what the hell? And she confirmed that, that what I heard was in fact the situation. And she started to talk more about, you know, how we, she thought we could get through this really tough time. I really didn't want to listen to it. I just wanted to go home and go back to my original plan, kids drinking, <laughs> that was my goal. I'd listen to her later. And of course that happened, and I had that 2 a.m. wake up call when you feel like everything you've worked for so hard just was about to fall apart right in front of you. And I thought, what am I gonna do here? What the hell am I gonna do? The divorce was relatively simple. It's like a stationary bike. You plop in, you clip your, sh you, you know, your shoes in, you start pedaling. The speed in which you pedal is determined by your attorney, your courts, the person that you're engaged with in the process. So I didn't really have to do much there. I just had to pedal. But my profession, my calling, when you're at your ground zero, like you're leveled, you're thinking only of security, stability. You know, people have jobs in this world, people have careers, people have callings. My work is my calling. I love teaching leadership. I love inspiring people how to develop their leadership skills. I've been doing this for so long. And I thought, you know, maybe it's just time to do the responsible thing here and just get a steady job where I can get an income and I can get benefits and I can get the things that I need to make it way through this time. I woke up thinking about that, made some phone calls to a few friends, kind of explored this. Maybe I should just be real here for a second and responsible. Tried that head on for a few days, but it just didn't fit. Courtney and I reconnected at the end of the week, 
we made some pretty bold decisions. We had to, you know, reorganize our staff, share them, you know, with them the really bad news and how that was going to impact them. That was heartbreaking. We had to take on a loan to make sure that our financial commitments with our business were going to make, you know, we're going to keep. And to secure that loan, we had to put, you know, our houses up as collateral. We also had to work our asses off. I mean, here I was raw. And we had to go back to the early days as entrepreneurs, as new business owners, and just scrap our way back to recovering financially from this devastation. So I stand up here today to talk about risk. I had to take some of the biggest risks of my life last year. But I'm so proud that even with the lowest of lows, I had the highest of highs. And I'm here today standing on my two feet firmly saying that it was the best worst year of my life because risk allowed me to get back, get back to a place where I could feel professional fulfillment, get back to a place where personally too, life is really coming together and it's risk, it's risk. I chose to bet on me in critical moments, and because I was able to do that, to take a chance on myself, to take a chance on my talents, I was able to really find myself and go back to that calling that means so much to me. Now you're probably here tonight because you wanted to be inspired. I've been so inspired listening to people's stories. Um, and I want you to think about what it is that you want to be inspired to move towards. You've got that thought in your mind. You've got that dream in your head. You've got that passion on your heart. You've got something. What type of risk are you willing to take to get it? And I'm not saying you need to quit your job or change your life or move to a different town. Don't move. We like it here. We love you here. <laughs> we like our people here. But think, what do you need to do to take a step towards that? It's not substantial risk, it's small risk. I define risk as a decision followed by action where there's a chance of success and a chance of failure. And those chances, the probabilities, aren't always even. But what I've discovered through my work, just talking with people through coaching and getting to know their stories, that we overinflate the fear of failure to the disadvantage of the opportunity for success. Think about it. If you're going to make a risk, if you're going to step out, you probably have a wild and crazy and vivid imagination of all the things that can go wrong. But you apply the same level of creativity to all the things that can possibly go right, chances aren't that you don't. So again, we oversize this risk of failure to the point that it can sometimes paralyze us. And it's funny, doing research on risk, I've learned a lot about this concept. You know, the opposite of risk or what prevents us from taking risk is our fear of failure. Where we learn about this fear is actually through our upbringings. It's through our parents, particularly our moms, which I found was really surprising, and it certainly caused me to sit up in my chair as a mom myself. But we learn it from our, our moms primarily, our maternal figure. But the exciting thing about that is if you can learn this behavior, 
you can unlearn it too. Again, if you can learn the behavior, you can unlearn it too. So you can change the way you start to assess opportunity. You can start to assess what's on your head or what's in your heart. You can start to think of small ways to take risk. And that's really what I'm advocating for. Small ways to introduce a little bit more risk-taking in your life. A teaspoon there, a dash here, the conversation that you need to have. Even doing a headstand as I was telling Temple at yoga, that's a risk I'm trying to take right now. Small risks that we all can take. And so that's my challenge for everyone here tonight. When you leave and you've heard these beautiful storytellers and moved, I'm sure, one way or another by their stories, you've seen what's possible through all of us. Um, you see some of the choices we've made. Think about yourself. What are the small risks you can take to bet on you? Because I promise you, not only are you worth it, but more importantly, you can do it. Thank you. Thank you.